Hello, career competitor. This is Steve Meller, as always here to share with you some powerful conversation and some significant insights into what it means to optimize your career in pursuit of your optimal self. I am excited to be introducing our guest here shortly. But as always, let me draw your attention to careercompetitor.com, where you'll see right at the top of that homepage is a place where you can enter your email and become a part of my monthly subscription, my mid-monthly message, where I am just simply giving you that little nudge in the middle of the month to remember that whatever it was you set out to achieve with all that energy at the outset of the month and what Ever those lofty goals may be at the end of the month that you're not going to lose sight of that journey in between. Become a part of my community today. Head to careercompetitor.com, enter your email, and look forward to my next mid-monthly message. Now, let's get right into the show. Hi there, and welcome into Career Competitor, where today I get to welcome in John Kidwell, and I'm really excited to be bringing this discussion to you, and John will certainly get the introduction he deserves here in a moment. But three things just to be on the lookout for within the conversation. Firstly, how we can experience a false start within our lives, but use it as an advantage at a later date. Secondly, we get into the need for action in positions of leadership to have optimal influence, not only on what's around us, but also on ourselves. And finally, we discuss the importance of making our daily standards for performance challenging enough to where it's more realistic that we may fall short. All this and more within our discussion with John on this episode of Career Competitor. Really excited about this one, and I hope you all enjoy Our career competitor is an expert in leadership development whose mission is to equip and empower leaders so that they can succeed at their life's mission. As the founder and leader of Leadwell, our guest supports leaders and their organizations through coaching, training, team building, and speaking. Our guest leans on years of experience across a variety of leadership roles, none lesser than serving as VP of Innovation and Operations for a global nonprofit in his hometown of Houston, Texas, where he was able to work with companies such as Apple, Nike, and Pfizer. You may have heard of them and many more global organizations. Having grown up playing and coaching in sports, our guests can share insights on the various competitive elements that the principles of this show were born on, while also sharing insights into their new book, Redefine Your Servant Leadership, which emphasizes once and for all that servant leadership is in fact an action we are all capable of taking. It's my pleasure to be welcoming in to career competitor, Mr. John Kidwell. John, how are we doing, buddy? Doing great. Thank you for having me, Steve. And wherever I go from here on out, I am capturing that introduction and I'm just taking it with me. Uh, I'm going to play it everywhere I show up. That was awesome. Thank you. Uh, wow. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. And I love doing these intros because for me, it's, it's my wonderful way of being able to just say right away, like we have a great guest on the show. It's like a, a one minute version of saying we have a great guest on the show. And that's what we have in you, brother. So I'm excited oh, to start you. this and, and, and really just dive into you know, when you think about your competitive journey, I'd love for you to answer this just from the perspective that you're, you know, you're speaking from today and you think about all this work you're doing with leaders and, and, and this world of leadership development. 
When I say, what does it mean to be competitive within your world today? I know it seems like a fairly vague question, but I'm very curious to see where you go with this. What, what might it mean to be competitive within your world today? So I think inside of my world, I think about competing against myself and, and how me and my company showed up yesterday uh, to be able mm -hmm. to best serve our clients today. Um, that is one of the things I want to continually compete against. Uh, I also just kind of outside of the the work, if I think about it in terms of my life, um, I'm a I'm a husband, I'm a father of three, uh, friend, volunteer, and I don't know that I can or want to compete against everybody else, but I very much want to compete against who I was yesterday and how I was and give myself the grace to make mistakes every single day and the opportunity to get better every single day. And so I think it's a lot of self-competition and figuring out how I can compete to be the best for the people in the places that uh, I engage with, you know, on the daily. Yeah. I, gosh, I re resonate with that massively. It's like, when you think about it, I love what you say there, just this notion of, I don't think I need to or want to be competing with anything else outside of that. And it, and it, almost brings competitiveness into this like priority element. It's like, what are my priorities when it comes to being competitive at this point, whether it be of your life, of your career, however you want to look through that lens. And the way in which you're speaking now, as I alluded to in your introduction, you, know, you were a former athlete. Uh, you played soccer growing up. You coached soccer for a little bit too. Yeah. And you think about how just me versus you, us versus you, it that world is. And now you look at this and it's no longer black and white. There's all this sort of gray that you're operating in when it comes to being competitive. Maybe talk to me a little bit about how you relate to that version of yourself from when you were you know, tying up the cleats and on the soccer field playing against other yes. people. So um, I, I am no Michael Jordan, but I also did not make my varsity team, right? And this, this story is not going to be like, and then I played against Messi. No, uh, <laughs> no. we're never going to get there. <laughs> However, uh, as a junior in high school, I did not make the varsity team. And I had a decision to make whether I continue uh, to play football, soccer, or uh, or I'd walk away and say, oh, it wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. And... I still really couldn't tell you to this day why I chose to play because I was embarrassed. Uh, I like nobody does that, right? And I was also at a small school. So I ended up playing. A couple of my friends were also playing. And what I realized was I got to train different skills. Uh, one, I got a lot more touches on the ball, which was great because I was older, faster, had a little bit more experience, was probably in this in between of like the varsity and junior varsity level. However, naturally, uh, whether for good or bad, uh, I was older, a little bit more poised, and so naturally started filling in some of these leadership gaps. Uh, and I'm a defender uh, mm. when we play uh, soccer, but I was playing mid, I was playing forward. I became our top goal scorer, which is really hilarious. Uh, <laughs> and after four games, coach came and said, hey, uh, I see I've made a mistake. Uh, we're going to put you on varsity. He hadn't made a mistake. What he did was he gave me an opportunity to see some things that I had not yet worked on. And hmm. I have a couple of those, whether it was through soccer, whether like many of us, uh, we might uh, false start in college or early in our career. And I have a whole bunch of those where there's the false start. I've been given the opportunity to figure it out and I can refine it quickly, pull those lessons forward, and then I get to use them moving forward. And so 
for me that that's really given me kind of this model of saying, okay, we're just going to go for it and we're going to figure it out as we go and continue to get better every single rep, every single time. Um, and one of the things I figured out too, is I'm a much better coach of soccer than I am a soccer <laughs> player. <laughs> so that was always a good thing to find out too. <laughs> yeah. I think in time I'll find that out. I got a, I got a three-year-old boy and a four-year-old girl. I'm not sure soccer's for my daughter, but my son is already very much bought into the idea and because it, I struggled to see how I could be much worse of a coach than I was of a player. I I, I was not given the gift of, of soccer, sadly, um, despite growing up in a world where that's all I knew. Uh, mm. But anyway, I, I, we're not going to go into my my you know my sorrow story of, of my uh, <laughs> lack of soccer playing because what I want to do is come back to this notion of false start. I love that term, false start. And so when you think about speaking through this lens now that you live today in, in these roles of leadership development. Do you bring that analogy in to some of this work? And if so, how do you maybe bring that in? Um, I I bring it in, in in the way of saying that, you know, it's it's okay if you get to start over uh, because it it's not final. And I don't know if a whole bunch of folks listen to the podcast. I know for me, I would sit there, whether it was before a meeting, uh, whether it was before bringing on a new team member, or whether it was before going and giving a presentation, I would sit there and think this has to be perfect. Like I don't get any other opportunity. A lot of it came from people are going to judge me, this idea that the leader has to lead by example. And so my example has to be perfect. And so I just wouldn't do some of these things. Uh, I found myself not doing it. And I find that with a lot of leaders is they've grown into this level of responsibility where if it's not on point, if it's not on perfect, they just don't do it. And we, we, we miss out. I miss out in my life. Their organizations miss out. And so, yes, like one, how can we practice in private uh, to avoid a really big false start and kind of falling on our face, right? Yeah. At the same time, how can we communicate? We're practicing. This is something new. We're trying it out. I'm really confident. And I also don't know if it's going to work. Just to be able to lay the groundwork for learning, for growth, for being able to figure it out as we go uh, and not having to show up perfect all the time. Yeah. So I, I'm such an advocate for this way of learning. I, I too graduate daily from the school of trial and error. Like I, I love living in that space and the way in which you're actually presenting this, not just through the responsibility for the leader to, to embrace this, but to actually see it from the perspective of those they're leading and say, if I weren't to do it this way, if I weren't to let people know that we are practicing and that with that practice may come some failure and some lessons along the way, that I'm actually limiting their exposure to what they can be getting from this process too. So not only is it a process of leadership, it's this beautiful way of actually introducing collaboration. Collaboration, not just in our successes, but also in our lessons as mm -hmm. well. That is so powerful to consider that that is something that can become part of what we're doing within our teams, no matter how big or small they may be. So let's talk a little bit about some of these, I would have to assume, limiting mindsets that you meet when you first introduce a concept like this to a leader. What might be uh, a process or two, an exercise or two that you present to them just to help them maybe see that, listen, this is something that if you give it the legs, it's allowed, it can really, really benefit you. Yeah, so... One of the things that we like to do is look at what is defining us. Uh, there's often defining moments, right? You and I have talked about a couple of mine that could go could go good or bad, 
mm-hmm. being cut from varsity can destroy a whole lot of us, uh, and it bums us out for the rest of our life, and we never touch a ball or we never go for anything like that ever again, right? Um, defining moments of being able to get a promotion, being turned down for a promotion, defining moments where you work up the courage to go into your boss's office and present this big old hairy audacious goal of a project and they take it. Like, What are some of those things that are defining us? And then beyond that, what are some of the cultural narratives and the the shoulds or the have tos that we're telling ourselves that we get to do or we don't get to do because of X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. And if we can figure out what those are, they might be true. They might not be true. So we need to identify if in fact they are true limitations, obstacles, right? Yeah. And if they're not true, what's going on there that we can identify it and we can flip it so that it is something that is more accurate. Right. So for me, I always grew up in the leading by example and uh, being really helpful to folks at work as a leader. Like one, it was a great way for me to get ahead in my career, because Mm -hmm. when you lead by example and when you do a lot of stuff to help other people, you usually get more opportunities and more responsibilities. The other thing that I was telling myself was that because of my desire to be a servant leader, it means I have to be nice. I have to people please. I can't talk about the business ever because as soon as I do, people are going to think, oh, this guy actually has no heart for it. He just cares all about the bottom line, right? Right. And so I'm sitting here going around, always being available, no boundaries, trying to help people, being sweet, and then running over here to the left-hand side and doing all the business performance, feeling guilty when I have to be like, you know, Steve, the project is three weeks late and um, I mean, hopefully that can get better next time. I was Mm -hmm. separating these out and they were creating limitations for me because I was not able to show up and bring all the skills and talents that I had. And I was also stunting my organization because we're slowing down because I'm the only one doing it. And I'm not actually developing my team because everything that they could be doing, I'm just doing for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so if we can figure out what's defining us, the narratives that we're telling ourselves and what we need to do to course correct them, then all of a sudden we can start stepping into the practice to test out, are they real? And if it's not real, what can I do that's a little bit more healthy, a little bit more integrated in what I might be seeing as good and bad and something that is really going to serve me and everybody else involved? Yeah, so much good there. And One of my favorite questions to ask whenever I'm working with leaders is, is this a truth or is this a story? Mm-hmm. You know, is this a, is this a truth or is this a narrative? Like to put exactly what you're saying here, because as, as you're alluding to, the, the power of what that reveals is straight away that, hey, we, we might be getting attached to something that we've actually created in our minds that if we were just to detach from that for a moment, we may suddenly now see this situation, this problem through a lens that we've never even looked through before. And that is immediately the first enormous step to everything that we're talking about here, where it be actually embodying this, this model of trial and error within the workplace and leading from that uh, from that place as well. But while we're on this topic of focusing on truths to create this greater sense of clarity and engagement around the work we do within our teams, it's the perfect time to present a resource I use that is backed by a whole bunch of truth. Because the story I had been telling myself for years was that coffee and coffee alone is how I should get through my day in order to keep my focus, and perform well. 
until one of our show sponsors, Magic Mind, came along and helped me see how wrong I was. I have been using Magic Mind throughout 2024 so far, and I've been blown away by the improvements in my focus, performance, and just my long-term consistency throughout a day. I still drink my coffee, but I no longer rely on it because once I wake up at around five and have my black coffee, I'll drink another one around breakfast with the family at seven before I take my productivity shot of Magic Mind right as the day really gets into gear at 8.30. And from that moment on, I'm dialed in, truly achieving optimal performance. It's all natural ingredients, zero sugar, and its key ingredient of matcha, otherwise known as nature's extended release of caffeine, is the secret behind my elevated focus, my creativity, gosh, just my overall energy for the rest of my workday, without a crash or need for a refill at any point. Now, obviously, I want all of you to be benefiting the same way that I am. So what you need to do right now is head to magicmind.com slash career competitor. That's magicmind.com slash career competitor and enter the code competitor20 to get up to 56% off your first subscription and 20% off your one-time purchase. So that's code competitor 20, spelt C-O-M-P-E-T-I-T-O-R-2-0 to get 56% off your first subscription and 20% off your one-time purchase as well. I highly recommend their 30-pack of productivity shots as it's easily their best value for money. And I know that you will not regret that investment into your productivity and into your health. So head to magicmind.com slash career competitor now, grab yourself some of their awesome products and enter competitor 20 to get up to 56% off your first subscription and 20% off your one-time purchase. I really appreciate the guys over at Magic Mind and I know that you will too. But you naturally took us into this, your natural tendency of servant leadership. And what I love about it already, knowing that you've written a book on servant leadership and hearing that you've you've not just sat down and read a whole bunch of material about servant leadership, you've lived it both through the successes of it and also the mistakes and the lessons that have come through it as well. So what I love about the fact that you've written this book is it's such a specific version of leadership. So often I see these books on leadership and it, and it can be hard to kind of wrap your head around these books because as you know, there's so many different ways of leading, so many different personalities when it comes to leading. Now, you've just given us an insight into what your natural tendency is as a servant leader. But what I would love to do is really just get a feel from you of when did you maybe notice for the first time that that was in fact your style of leadership was it an example like the one you just gave us does it go many years before that i would just love to know like the origin story so to speak of how you discovered that you are in fact a servant leader yeah uh so i'm about 12 years old and i'm in a youth group and so a bunch of adult volunteers kind of helping a bunch of us kiddos self-organize plan out some of our trips some of our service projects what we're going to go do And uh, we had either a board or a cabinet, and I was on that as one of the youth leaders. And then there were a bunch of adults who are also leaders. And we're in this meeting, and there was a gentleman who was really loud, really pushy, and just had to get his way. And as I said before, it's not like we were even out like selling cookies. 
we were just self-organizing to go do some projects, to have some retreats, some activities. Like there wasn't too much involved in there, but I saw that really clearly. Loud, pushy, had to get their own way. I'm in the car with my dad driving home and I started asking him about it. Like, was that guy in charge? Because da 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 da, da right? Loud, pushy, yeah. had to get his own way. And my dad, in all of his wisdom, said, you know, John, you don't have to be the loudest person in the room to be a leader. Hmm. And that is kind of that moment right there is where I was like, yeah, that just makes sense to me. Uh, that I understand. Mm -hmm. And that was the first thing. Uh, and then I started naturally finding myself in leadership scenarios, like we talked about with soccer, uh, where I kind of gravitate, gravitated towards that. And then I found out that I actually really enjoy it and mm -hmm. I have a knack for it. And so I just continued to go in. And I did all the books, right? Reading the books from Maxwell to Cynic to Collins to anybody that I can get my hands on. Uh, sure. And just continuing to go into the, the leadership and the business space and continually coming back to a frustration around defining leadership as command and control and positional. Uh, because that's not the leaders that I gravitate towards. It's mm -hmm. not the leader that I want to be. And it's also not the leader that I see being effective for the long term, right? Command, control, positional, do it because I said so. You're going to get an immediate return on whatever you do there. Mm -hmm. But but <laughs> you <laughs> also have an immediate consequence with that. Uh, and it will lead to that being short-term results instead of something that's more sustainable long-term. And so all of that put together is what continued to pull me in in the direction of saying, you know what? I want to I want to do this and figure out what it looks like for me to be a servant leader. Mm. You were getting you were getting the real life data. You know, yeah. you were allowing the world and the, the rooms and the experiences that you were operating within to feed you exactly what you are and then allow you to go away and say, "Okay, how do I how do I develop this version of me that I naturally am? But I also love the fact that you not only acknowledge that that's the kind of leader that you are, but you enjoy it too. And I yeah. I think that's one of those things with leadership. And, and it's why I love what you say about the fact that it doesn't have to be the title that you have or the position that you're in, et cetera, is that if you enjoy doing it a certain way, specifically, if you enjoy impacting others in a very specific way, it comes easy to you. Don't wait for the right title or for the right position or the right opportunity to do exactly that. I could hear it just in your stories there that when an opportunity arose for you to step into it as a servant leader, you decided to step in and willingly learned, hey, how am I doing this well? How can I do this better? And yeah. I'm starting to almost get this message from you here in terms of just how you view leadership overall. And I alluded to it in the in the intro too. It's all about action. You, yeah. you take the action, you you step forward into opportunity. And even if you don't get it right the first time, and even if you don't get it right the 17th time, the willingness to keep stepping in yeah. from what I'm hearing is just how you view and see leadership in its, maybe not in its, in its entirety, but certainly in terms of what's most natural to you. And in, and in what's practical, right? Sure. Uh, it was one of my frustrations is, um, that servant leadership was a philosophy uh, that was forwarded. And 
And then it was also being disconnected kind of over the years, over the last 50 years, just disconnected from what folks were calling traditional leadership, which was about motivating, directing, kind of influencing people in that and towards, you know, market uh, expansion and towards business objectives. And servant leadership was being put in this other camp of you do things to help people out, help them grow, help them thrive. And serving in and of itself is an action, right? If, if you go look up the definition, to serve is to act in a way that's for the benefit of the object uh, or the others, right? And so this idea that we have to bring these together, that leadership is in fact an action, and that servant leadership isn't just a philosophy, right? It's, it's an idea that informs how we act and why we act, but it is still driving us to do something. Uh, and so for me, it was looking at how do I bring these two things that I want to be able to do both. I want to be able to be the visionary, the motivator, the guide to focus on how do we expand our markets so that we can truly impact people's lives? And how do we focus on business performance so that it creates a profit not just monetarily, for all of us to thrive and bring in these ideas about love and compassion and empathy and listening, just like we see in servant leadership, and put them together. And so wrote a definition that honestly could be for leadership or for servant leadership, that it's the act of influencing the attitudes, thoughts, behaviors of others toward a shared purpose. Uh, and mm -hmm. that is really what drives me uh, and my leadership and then what what we try to share with anybody who will listen. <laughs> Yeah, oh, golly, I love it, and it, it, it's funny because I what I as I'm listening to you talk, the, the part that I really relate with is, you know, I work with leaders that oversee tens upon hundreds of people, as I as I know you do, and mm -hmm. you and I in our respective businesses probably serve the least amount of people uh, yeah. in terms of like that day to day, you know, face to face, person to person. However, we're engaging with folks that we maybe outsource or have within our businesses in comparison to some of the clients that we work with. But going all the way back to the first question that I asked you and the first answer that you gave me, so much of what you're talking about here is how you lead John, how you lead John. And, and for leaders to start understanding that if you're failing leading the person looking back at you in the mirror, chances are you're immediately limiting the leader you can be to anybody else outside mm -hmm. of that mirror and i'm hearing that in such abundance and, and it's so funny because i've actually been challenged on that by a few folks when i'm working or discussing the opportunity of working with someone who are you leading well i'm leading myself and they kind of laugh as though i'm joking i'm like let me explain that to you in a little bit more detail and i think you may start to realize what i take on what i truly embody in my day-to-day -day. and i and i want to make that about i want to make this conversation about that now just in terms of starting to transition towards i want you to give us a little bit more about the book here in a moment but when you think about some of those lenses that you look through the husband you are the father yeah. you are the business owner you are all these different ways in which you lead how are you assessing let's get competitive again like yeah if we're putting if we're putting a day for john in the win column in terms yeah. of you the servant leader mm-hmm how in the world are you looking at that and saying, okay, yep, today one goes in the win column or today, whoop, sorry, John, you fell short. Like how, mm. how are you maybe assessing something like that? All right. Well, we might get a little bit nerding, uh, nerd out on some of these nerd things. Nerd away, uh, nerd away. But, I love it. Uh, Bring it on. Bring it on. So I, I love uh, productivity. I love notebooks. I have too many notebooks. Uh, <laughs> one day uh, we will design the perfect notebook slash life plan slash productivity <laughs> 
uh, thing for <laughs> leaders uh, because I need it for myself. But right. until then, uh, let me just tell you some of the things that I do. Uh, so I have a morning routine uh, and and I, I look at that in terms of, uh, did I get that done today, right? Did I exercise? Uh, did I do my quiet time? Did I read? Uh, did I pray? Have I gone through my morning routine, which also involves having breakfast with my family and taking my kids to school? Uh, then I get into work. Uh, I focus on three bigs uh, that I got to do every single day. So three priorities. And I want to make sure that they are pointed at our highest level goals and my highest level contribution. And if I can do that for three things every single day, that's great. And of course, like I have some tasks and all of those type of things too. But if I can do that for our highest level goals and my highest level contribution to them, then uh, after the work day, quote unquote, uh, is done, uh, I have some personal priorities uh, that I want to knock out every single day. I want to be present uh, with my family. Uh, I want to make sure uh, that I sit down and spend a number of minutes. Uh, my actual minute count is 15, no less than 15 minutes a day just connecting with my wife uh, because mm -hmm. I could I could go without, uh, but not because it's good for me, but because that's something natural for me and she knows we both need it and uh sure. so sitting down and connecting uh and then i like to look back at the day and say what are a couple of things that went really great uh, that i can be proud of and what's something i can do better tomorrow uh, and i think like practically tactically that's one of the ways that i look at it and say how did i do today and now what is that set up for tomorrow i've asked that question in, in different ways many times and more often than not, people will give me just sort of one way that they do it. And what I love about your answer, obviously, obviously there was many, many elements to it. Yeah. But what I love about that, I don't know whether you look at it this way, but the, the coach slash competitor in me immediately looks at it this way, is that there's room for you to fall short. There's, there's so many things for you to actually try to accomplish, but they're all realistic. I didn't hear anything there that was just crazy far-fetched or anything like that. But there's enough there where you could easily on any given day come up with that compromise where, you know, 15 minutes checking in with the wife. Well, you know, it was it was really busy today. You could very easily convince yourself that you didn't have the time and, oh, well, I, I missed on that one. But when you have a few things like that, and again, I get to say this as someone who has a similar process, like you leave yourself vulnerable to actually falling short in at least one area every single day. And the challenge in that keeps you honest in terms yeah. of what it is you're taking on as opposed to saying i just want to do this 15 minutes every day that's a win and it's just like well that that's a pretty easy win each and every day and the value and the appreciation you have for the win probably starts to dwindle over time whereas what i'm hearing here is that you're willingly taking on quite a big task each and every day and putting it through that filter of successful versus not successful or win versus I don't know how you look yeah. at it, but you know, I don't want to speak for you in that regard, but at the same time, it's a lot. And I just, I, I had to share that with you because I think it's important for people to hear that if, as you're listing those things, wow, that's a lot of things, but Hey, that, that leaves you vulnerable to everything that you've been speaking about from a trial and error standpoint, you're going to learn something that maybe fell short today. Yeah. And, and, I mean, if we're being honest, there are very few perfect days. Uh, sure. And and for anybody that's not kind of at the level where maybe you and I could sit here and talk about it 15, 20 years into stacking a lot of this on top of each exactly. other. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, it started with me 
being 25 pounds overweight and saying, I'm going to go do a triathlon and signed up, not knowing what I'm getting myself into. And basically, like we said before, false starting and having to figure it out. Right. And then 15, 20, 25 years later, all of a sudden there's a whole stack of things that have started to really line up that now I say, this is, this is how I measure my day. Uh, and they've changed, uh, and every now and then they change again. And personally, right now, the season that we are in, if we're using competitive language, we're, we are competing against ourselves to get this book launched and to do it well. And right. that today uh, looks different for me, uh, that routine, than than what it does 95% of my life, uh, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because we've just said this is a season and this is something that we have to focus on right now. And so I think that for me and kind of some of the ideas that we have with lead well is kind of this idea that we want to do good and we want to do well. We want to work hard and we want to rest well. Like We love being able to look at both sides of the coin uh, and being able to say, how do we do this thing of work and life, people and performance, empathy and excellence, and continuing to figure that out. And I hope that in some of my measurement of the day, there was a lot of that as well as the people and the performance uh, that align up with the priorities that I have in life. Because that's what yeah. we're continuing to try to fine tune uh, me. Uh, I'm trying to fine tune every day. <laughs> Never ending project, right? Never that's ending right. project. And I, I love it. And I'm right with you. 15, 20 years stacking, no doubt about it. And, and long may it continue. And for anybody as well that's listened to this and they're like, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not really around people too much. I'm not really leading that many people or anything like that. Hey, listen, if, if you've got a couple of friends in your, you know, in your world that you're around more than anything, if you've got a family there at home, those two sides of the, what are our highest goals and, and what can my contribution be? I mean, that's a beautiful lens to just approach anything, any role that you have, any hat that you wear within your world. You're, you're doing a lot of people a great service if you're looking at how you show up through those two ways uh, of doing this. So I love that. But listen, man, with you being in this season with the book, I got to give you 30 minutes in now. Uh, you're probably sitting there waiting like, when am I going to pitch this thing, Steve? Come on now. But uh-huh. this has been so great. And what I love about this conversation is, you know, I could have easily asked you a question along the lines of like, why, why are you someone who should be writing this book? And we've just got 30 minutes of evidence as to why you're, you should be oh, someone writing this you. book, which is so beautiful. <laughs> That's what I love about doing it this way. But I, I want to pass it over to you, man. Tell us all about the book, where we can find it, because I know it's coming out any day. And, and so I just love to hear everything that we need to know about it. Yeah. So uh, the book is called Redefine Your Servant Leadership. And uh, a lot of the journey that you and I, Steve, have just talked about, like, it's in there. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of our client stories, they're in there. Uh, but it, it really is the book that took me 10 years to live uh, and then three years to write because I wrote it. I got super frustrated with it. I put it aside. I picked it back up because I was inspired by the story I put at the end of the book about Alan and Catherine Barnhart who are tremendous servant leaders. And if you are looking for how to redefine your servant leadership and how that's going to change your organization, the community around you, the community globally, nobody has a better story than them. Just small, little sneak at it. They have a $600 million business that they completely gave away. And now they operate it as trustees and they give over $50 million away every single year. They have combined purpose, performance, and taking care of people in a way that is remarkable. So uh, Redefine Your Servant Leadership is really a 
leadership book that's going to be your coaching guide to figuring out who you are and how you want to be as a leader. And I try to make a pretty good case for it being a servant leader and that perhaps servant leadership is really just leadership <laughs> in disguise. <laughs> and uh, and if you want to check it out, head to redefineyourservantleadership.com. Uh, you can get everything there. Or if you go to Amazon, search the title, uh, you will find it as well. And uh, be honored if you if you pick it up and if we can do anything to help you, there are resource pages and, and all the links. There's a bunch of additional material that you can use completely free. So have at it. Appreciate that, man. And, and all that information is going to be in the show notes for anybody to have that, that quick access, easy access to, to any of that. And uh, it, it sounds like something that it can truly help people really just get a little bit clearer on what might be some actionable steps that they can take to just showing up more consistently in, in this role as a as a servant leader. And I, for one, I'm looking forward to, to getting my hands on it and giving it a read and adding it to the long, well, big pile of books that I've got over here. As, as more and more people join my podcast that have written books, I, I try to do my service and, and read mm. your books. So it's the, the pile continues to grow, but I will get to it at some and, point. And that is, that is the, the sneaky dark side of all of us that are completely uh, value-oriented on growth uh, is that uh, maybe it's just me. I'm speaking for you, but I'm really great at like one to three focus areas, but that growth drive means, yeah, I'll just buy 10 books. I can do all these things yep. and I can set goals for 16 different areas of my life. Even though there's only 10 domains in life, I will try to go for it if I'm not being careful. So there you go. Sneak back behind the curtain because, you know, if you're seeing this, all the books behind me are also those where it's like, I can do it. I can do it. I can read this. <laughs> Hey, man, you can speak for me all day if you're speaking like that, because all of that is true. All of that is true for me. Uh, but I put it down to my just natural curiosity and my competitive go. spirit. There's no doubt about it. But John, listen, man, this has been an absolute blast. I, I'm so happy that uh, we got connected and that you, you came on the show. And uh, you know, with this coming out early in the year, the book coming out early in the year is an opportunity for so many folks to really uh, you know, just map out that course for how they're going to show up and lead in, in 2024 and beyond. And so I'm, I'm delighted to have you on. I'm glad that we were able to do this. And man, just best of luck firstly with the book and secondly, just with anything and everything in your world over the uh, over the future, brother. Thank you, Steve. Thank you for this. It was an honor and a pleasure. And you, my friend, have some amazing questions. So thank you for <laughs> delivering that service to everybody that's listening. Thanks, man. Such awesome conversation there with John, and I really encourage you to head to redefineyourservantleadership.com as well. Just a very quick insight as you depart. Just understand the importance of trial and error, folks. It's so important. It's vital. It allows you to either take something that could be a story, a narrative, a theory, and just prove it. You know, is it truth or is it not? It's a great concept for you to approach the way in which you do anything, whether you're in a position of leadership or not is irrelevant. Start implementing it now within your day and I assure you that you'll appreciate it. But for now, that's all I've got for you guys. I appreciate the conversation. I appreciate you listening. Make sure you're subscribing on your way out. Make sure you're doing your part and sharing the show as well. And until next time, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your efforts and I look forward to doing this again with you very soon. Bye for now.